How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Pete Sampson with Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley. It's been a couple weeks since our last podcast, and uh, of course we've had a bunch of off-season news to cover. Um, some good, some bad from a Notre Dame perspective. Uh, but let's jump into the team stuff, since uh, we got all sorts of recruiting to cover in the opening preview. In our second segment of the pod, we'll talk commitments in the first segment, but let's start off with Greg Bryant, out four games suspended. I don't think anyone here was stunned by this. We, we had sort of chatted about it because it kind of been under the surface roiling a little bit for maybe a month. But, uh, you know, Tim, you wrote a story about the third back situation. And I mean, it's, uh, if he wasn't a five-star prospect, I think we would have, I don't even know if we discussed it on this podcast. Yeah, I agree. I think that, and, and they're, they're so prepared for it. It's, it's clear that they knew Something was coming down because there's 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 two ways looking at it. One, and this isn't to say he didn't have a great spring. Brian Kelly couldn't talk, couldn't stop talking about how great CJ Procise was. And two, we didn't talk to Greg Bryant in the spring. It's a pretty clear indication that something's going on because he didn't choose not to like Everett Golson did. And you know they're ready for it. They that they, they didn't necessarily know for a fact what the exact suspension would be, but I think right. that they were prepared for this. I think that's why Procise got more reps. I think that's why it was officially. He's, not a, he's officially moved. You have, especially now, but it, it made sense anyway, and, and I think they're well prepared for it. And as you said, they do need a third back. The third back can still be Greg Bryant if he comes back with the correct approach for the final six games. I think I mentioned in there, I don't know what you get from Greg Bryant in game five at Clemson to get your feet wet. So I think you might be looking at Greg Bryant for half a season, and he's behind the curve. Greg yeah, Bryant for half a season. Way behind the curve yeah, now. Barely behind, barely well, had half a season last year. Th- I mean, when, when we first started talking about this, I, was it in December? I mean, we we knew that there was something yeah. up yeah. with this, and we, we threw it out, but, you, you know, you don't have anything definitive, and you kind of let it go, and then it comes to the surface. But, um, look, Tarian Folson's ready to be a workhorse. He's, he's, he's well into his career now. Uh, he needs to get off to a fast start, which he really hasn't done either of his first two years. Um, so he's your workhorse. We know what ProSize is capable of doing. And you have two freshmen coming in, um, Dexter Williams being the higher rated of, of the two. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, you, you always have this ideal of, oh, three backs and you rotate them in. But your story uh, addresses that. And, and it's it's true. Uh, you know, as long as your front runners are healthy, plus you have the freshmen coming in, plus you have ProSize who's a 225 mm-hmm pound running back now that can give you that that physicality um you know it's up to greg bryant at some point is it's it's up to him to maximize the incredible ability that he has do you tim or pete for either one of you both think that they will just figure out during camp who we're going to prepare for game week in uh, terms uh, of in terms of adams or williams and then yeah, go from there yeah and take and I, one of them i would be pretty shocked if it's not dexter williams really and in i to set expectations for Adams and Williams, this is not Folston and Bryant part two. I mean, right. Folston right. and Bryant had some really unique genetic traits to them, when, and when they showed up, 
You're like, okay, I can see how this guy would fit in the mix. Now, you see photos of Adams and Williams from summer workouts. I hate to use the term, they look like a freshman, but they just look like another guy right. on the roster. Brian Folson didn't from the moment they stepped on campus. Now, Alize Jones is at the other end of the spectrum. He looks like a guy who's been here for a couple of years. So, you know, it between the two of them, if and really it'd probably just be one, I mean, what are you looking at for the first four games in non-garbage time carries? Five? I mean... Zero? I, right. I don't it know. Could be, Probably it could not be a zero. Lot. Yeah, and I agree. It's Dexter Williams. I think Adams is more of a a situational guy, at least early on. I mean, maybe somebody in a passing game if you were to use him. But, um, you know, it's not a cat- catastrophic situation. Nordin was prepared for it. That's why I said, I mean, they knew all along it was going to happen, which is why CJ Process got a good long look in the spring. And, and impressed, and not surprisingly, you know, because he's he's impressed as he's made progress as a a, a slot receiver, and uh, it's great having that size and a guy that's willing to you know really pound it in there at two twenty five. I think he's up to more like two twenty five, two thirty now. Yeah, I want to talk about some some summer workout chatter that I've been hearing a little bit. Uh, and it's at the quarterback position. We could discuss that. One is that Malik Zaire's leadership which I think we all sort of saw in spring and even last season is, is really sort of carrying the team forward and not, and I don't mean that in the pulling and dragging the team forward, but sort of uniting and getting the team and moving in one direction. And also at the backup quarterback position. And we had this uh, in our insider report on Friday is that Deshaun Kaiser has progressed to the point that Brian Kelly and the coaching staff still believe that they can redshirt Brandon Wimbush, which was the plan all along whenever Golson was still here. Whenever Golson left, it sort of opened up the opportunity that maybe to force them to play Wimbush and take that redshirt off. I'm hearing that the opposite, and they're going to stick with their plan to redshirt Wimbush, and that is has says a lot less about Wimbush than it does about Kaiser, which I think you would have to view as a positive. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we've dealt with this before with quarterbacks. If something were to happen to Malik Zaire, if it's a week or two injury in the in September, maybe they look at it a little bit differently, taking the red shirt off of Wimbush. If it's a, uh, um, or, or actually, you know, if it's a long-term injury that happens in September, that's different than a, a week or two in, in October. So it's good to hear that with Kaiser. Uh, I still want to see it with my own eyes, I guess, before, oh, I, but before yeah. I believe because kind of a long throwing motion. And a guy that's, let's face it, is different than the type of quarterback that, that I mean, generally speaking, that, that is coming into Notre Dame now. So we'll see about that. But that's a real positive because, let's face it, you, you want Deshaun Kaiser to be the guy that he's been in the program now for a little bit, obviously longer than Wimbush. And should be in a position to do that. And I think you touched on it. It'll all be about the timing. If if Zaire turns his ankle and they beat Georgia Tech, Kaiser can go the whole game against UMass. You don't have to pull a red shirt against right. Wimbush. But if he does that in a win over Navy and you're preparing for USC, you're right. probably thinking we might need both of these guys ready for the USC game. The the Wimbush Kaiser. Yeah, can't. it's like if, if Zaire has a um, a Braxton Miller injury in training camp, then forget it. you're playing both those right. guys all right. year. There's nothing you can do about that. I thought the leadership angle is interesting that you hear about this team because it's it seems like it's not just Zaire it's more of a balanced approach and I think we touched on this in previous podcasts that this team has uh, an overabundance of leadership and what I'm hearing about summer workouts and sort of the locker room dynamic that that's creating is instead of having a 2012 scenario where you had Manti and Capron that were really 
dragging people along, kicking and screaming if they had to. Um, this roster seems to be much more willing and eager to sort of fall in behind, take direction, and pull in a in one direction, which I think is unique probably for most teams, but it's definitely been unique for Notre Dame. I mean, how many times have we talked on previous podcasts that who you know, where's Notre Dame going to get leadership from? And now they, they have it from every position group on both sides of the ball. That's exactly, I mean, each of the last two years at this time, we were talk, we were sitting right at this table talking about, man, not sure who the leaders are. So that's a, you know, that's a real, a, a real positive. I, I think you've got a, you've got a much better chance of getting through the, the dog days of a football season. If you got, a, if you have across the board leadership like that, it's a real. Again, that's another one of those things. You, okay, let's see it in action and see how yeah. it actually translates on fall Saturdays. But a real positive to hear in July. And I just quickly wrote down some names because I think official captaincy can be overrated. It's leadership throughout roster. But Jalen Smith, Kavari Russell, Nick Martin, Malik Zaire, Days returning captain, Joe Schmidt, Jared Grace, Ronnie Stanley. No one would argue with those are the type of guys yeah. that you get behind and, yeah. and work hard with. And you said we touch almost every position group there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I mean, you think of some of the good captains that our name has had. You know, Zach Martin was respected. Harrison Smith was respected. Manti Te was respected. I think that, you know, among, you know, Kavari is going to be interesting because <laughs> it sounds like guys in the freshman and sophomore class are like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> like, because he is talking a lot. Um It'll be it'll be really curious to see how guys fall in behind him, um, but I mean I think Jalen uh, Stanley, uh, you know Zaire maybe to a lesser extent, but these guys I think they their talent is so obvious and so overwhelming that you can't help but follow them because I mean if you're a younger guy that is not really sure how it all works, well follow the guy that clearly is better than you, and I think that with the captains last year. I don't think they had that dynamic. I mean, I think Max Redfield and Elijah Shoemate looked at Austin Collinsworth and were like, well, more talented than them. And probably, you know, well, Max Greg Bryant and Torian Folston looked yeah. at Cam McDaniel and probably said the same thing. We, and, and, and Max Redfield gives us that same yeah. look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I could just throw, before we get to the second segment, talk about yeah. them, it's just a little basketball fly on the wall stuff. You know, they can now, as of, was it last year that it began? Maybe yeah. the year before it. Where they can actually, the basketball team can actually practice once yeah. a week with with supervision from the coaching staff. And just a couple things that have come out. Two real positive things about two of the three incoming freshmen, Matt Ryan uh, and Rex Fluger, have have been very impressive. And the two comparisons that I that I've been given are Rex Fluger is a more athletic Steve Astoria, and then Matt Ryan is further along than Tim Abermitis was as a shooter at this stage. Now Ryan needs to get in better conditioning. Uh, but that dude's his range is outside of the gym, man. It's on the other side of the wall of the gym, and that's real positive at six foot eight. Uh, and the last thing is, Bonzi Colson in tremendous condition, expanding his shooting range a little bit, which Mike Bray wants because he loses a Pat Connett and an inside outside guy, and Colson has a chance to be that style of player for them as well. Go ahead. I was gonna say before. I don't want to get off hoops here, but like we did have you know one note about perhaps future scheduling that I think right. we all three of us had heard a little bit about, and that's the possibility of Notre Dame playing uh, an offsite game in Rome uh, or the Vatican. I don't know technically. Uh, It'll be actually where, inside the Vatican, uh, yeah, what the, the stadium address may be, but uh, that's something to keep an eye out moving forward. That uh, I, I'd heard like 2018, 2019. 
Well, I, I you know, I, I don't know that I've heard a specific date. I mean, what came to mind was they're playing BC in, in Fenway Park this year. If they were to play them two years from now, I, I don't know if that would be... Mm. To, uh, BC would be the logical, right. I guess, opponent if you're going to play in Rome. That's a great point. I was thinking it was going to be an academy again. But I, I think it's definitely being billed the next four years because it's kind of going yeah. to the rec- current right. recruit. Right. Recruiting so it's probably a little bit. USC over there? <laughs> opening the season yeah, <laughs> it's got to be opener end so that's that's you have to do oh, it that way true. so it's uh yeah. wow that'd be something for both yeah. teams i don't know, if, I don't know if the, the what the field in that coliseum it, is it uh, sounds pretty certain that's going to happen yeah. as far as specific date we'll find out about yeah, that but pretty exciting stuff for uh future irish illustrated travel so right. all right well that's it for segment one we're going to talk recruiting we're going to get into four commitments since our last podcast and preview the opening so we'll do all that in segment two Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider. We will preview the opening, but first we want to talk about the verbal commitments coming Nordame's way. Nordame was stuck on six verbal commitments for quite some time. In fact, there was a two-month gap between uh, commitment six and number seven. Nordame landed Jalen Elliott, the safety and wide receiver, wide receiver Kevin Stefferson, who we talked about two weeks ago on our last podcast. And they're on a roll here now, which uh, which usually happens after uh, Irish invasion. Jameer Jones, a versatile guy that can be a D-end and, and probably play a little bit outside linebacker, but I still think long-term D-end. Safety, Spencer Perry, uh, 2017 tight end Brock Wright. And, of course, uh, Parker Boudreaux, who uh, it'll be interesting to see how people react at the opening, Pete, uh, with his verbal commitment following his pulling of a 16,000-pound bus yeah we've gone from uh, the weiss era where all the freshmen just said i want to get on the bus to, <laughs> pulling, the damn to pulling the damn bus so yeah four commitments uh I mean, and you're right this is kind of this is what happens in late june and early july at, everywhere uh, and it, it's a matter of well who are you getting and there's I think, some good football players yeah, on I think, that list i think for notre dame they're happy with who they're yeah. getting um you know jameer jones i think we all were sort of like okay if his last name wasn't jones would notre dame be going after him and I watch him on tape, and he just—he looks like Jonathan Bonner to me. Yeah, he's not bad. Um, so that's that's a guy that you would want to take, especially if he's I, open to growing into a defensive end. I kept seeing that that still picture of him with those real narrow shoulders. And I'm like, come on, man, you're recruiting this guy, but he can play. I mean, I think yeah. long term. The biggest concern for me is he doesn't have as big a frame as Jerron. So if you're talking defensive end, it's going to take a little while before he has that before he has the bulk to play DN. But I could see him, look, if you're going to play, um, if you're going to have a uh, uh, an outside linebacker or Sam linebacker that you have for passing situations and running situations, I can see Jameer Jones being the guy that would play that position to it, defend the run. It's just hard for me to get my head around, okay, they recruited Osmer Bilal to play the Sam position and Jameer Jones. Like, those are two completely well, different athletes. So it, that's why I think DN. he's a I DN. Mean, I'm sure long-term. You know, Parker Boudreau, uh, he's a guard and a good one. You know, it, I, I think people get way too caught up in number of offers. And I think sometimes if you had – once you hit 50 – and I've talked to a, a couple of college coaches about this. They sort of view that as a negative because it means you're just sort of like hunting offers yeah. uh, opposed to like taking the process a little bit more seriously. So I think that there will be a de-recruitment process with Parker Boudreaux once he gets to Notre Dame. If, if someone, Yeah, I mean, if someone said 
Parker Boudreaux was hunting offers, I don't think you'd get a whole lot of argument. No, on that. Didn't Zach Martin pull a bus when he committed though? Yeah. Was that was I mistaken on that? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I you're saw confusing him yeah. with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look, he's he falls in line. I think people with all the hype and publicity about this, people get too carried away about what to expect from this guy. He's going to redshirt and then probably sit another year and then maybe play after that. You know, going into his third year. Notre Dame's class is really good with Tommy Kramer, Parker Boudreaux, and um, Lee Meikenberg. But it's hard to make an argument that it's anything better than the third best class of the last four years on the offensive line. That's what Notre Dame does when it comes to recruiting offensive line. Harry, he stands at the forefront of that. I think Parker Boudreaux is a four-star talent. Um, You know, no doubt about that. But he lunges a little bit, and you want him inside. You don't want him outside per se. So he's not he's not a uh, he's not a perfect prospect. But I think that trio of linemen, if they would have got Bredesen to to this group. That would that would have been off the chart. Yeah, and that's like when I say it's the third best group of the four years. That means Notre Dame's really doing something well. They're recruiting offensive linemen as well as anybody. Now let's see them play to that level as a unit on a consistent basis in the fall. I don't know that have we seen no. that. I don't think we LSU have. LSU only. No, but this is our chance too. Um, looking at these last few years because now. They are all to the forefront. I mean, you have McGlinchey, Elmer, that, Bars, and Nelson. These guys was, have to be. Yeah. That was the class that, yeah. like, oh, Harry Heastan is a really yeah. good recruiter. Third year, that's when it starts to happen for an offensive lineman. You know, and McGlinchey's played a little bit. Elmer's played a ton. Right. Uh, and then to have it, Martin and Stanley balance it out. Other commitments, Brock Wright. I've talked about him a bunch, written about him a bunch. I thought Notre Dame was going to get him for a long time. Not necessarily last week, but uh, Carlson Fasano. Type tight end to me. Um, he's kind of a hoss uh, and moves well for that size. He catches the ball reasonably well. Uh, he's not Nicholas Eifert Rudolph, but um, really good tight end. And then Spencer Perry, you mentioned. I, I, I'm curious to see how he develops because he lo- he looks like a free safety when you see him, but he plays like a strong safety yeah. when you watch him. He has a long way to go technique-wise, which is, I mean, unless he learns that technique, he is without a doubt a, a strong safety. But he's rangy. You like to have that length on the back end of it. But right now, he's a hitter, man. <laughs> and I could see him developing into a linebacker, yeah. into an outside linebacker. He definitely has that frame. Um, long way to go technique-wise. I think you guys saw that um, at the Irish Invasion. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, and, and you see that in film, in uh, camp settings. Um, you know, But this kid, he's a hitter. Anybody that's verbally committed, any uh, back end of a defense prospect committed to Florida that yeah. you can sway your way, that's a, that's a fine job of recruiting by the Nordium coaching staff. Well, tomorrow morning, uh, I'll be headed out to... Portland, and then on to Beaverton for there for the opening. Jake and Anna are already out there, and Steve Hare will be joining me tomorrow. Um, the Elite 11 Finals are going on right now. Malik Zaire is actually there as a counselor. He was a finalist uh, 2012. And then uh, the opening gets going on Wednesday. There's probably 25 targets to watch for Notre Dame related, in addition to Parker Boudreaux, Tommy Kramer, and Tony Jones Jr. running back. Um, I am really interested to see Tony Jones in that camp setting. It's difficult to gauge running backs, but there are, you know, Kareem Walker's a five-star guy going to Ohio State who's a little bit more of a bigger power back. How does Jones match up with him? Um, I, you know, can can he separate from linebackers in space a little bit in seven-on-seven? Seven? So I'm I'm probably most curious to see him. Parker Verdure, I'm just curious to see how he, if 
some of these five-star guys are going to Alabama and LSU are like, I'm going to take this guy down. I saw that bus video. Um, and then, you know, the, the dynamics between Notre Dame and USC I think will be interesting because there's about, I think, 18 California guys. A bunch are between Notre Dame and USC in some capacity. Javon McKinley is out there. He's, you know, USC has come after him. I think they've cooled a little bit. Uh, but Notre Dame obviously wants him a lot. Um, you know, Dalen Hayes, the linebacker from Michigan who's committed to USC, will be out there. Notre Dame's still trying to get involved there. So those would be those are sort of the three things I'll really be watching. And then, you know, in terms of commit watch, Chase Claypool uh, will be out there. He's making his decision, sort of went back and forth, but now definitely will commit. He's he's told Anna Hickey that uh, Notre Dame is in the best spot. Notre Dame staff feels pretty good about it. And, I, I mean, you... I think you've watched him on film a little bit. I mean, he's a he's a big target with some positional flexibility too. Yeah, we'll we'll have a we'll have a film one way or another. We'll have a film review on him later this week. I think we're all kind of anticipating that he's going to fall Notre Dame's way. But I, you know, it's interesting that you bring up Tony Jones um, because what I would like to see is the body language that I'm a big time running back and I be, and I belong here. Um, and I kind of question whether he feels that way about himself uh, or not. So I'd be interested to get your take on how he looks uh, out there, as well as you know, wh- where does Notre Dame ha- where do they sit with uh, with Batiku, the, the the defensive end from out in California? Um, what do you expect to see from him this week, and where, where are Notre Dame's chances with him? Yeah, I mean, they're top six right now. Um, the issues there are, I mean, one is Penn State, and you think, well, he's from L.A., That's a, you know, but he's actually he's from Nigeria originally. LeVar Arrington was one of his close personal mentors. The Penn State connection there is pretty obvious. Um, and he's got some West Coast options there. He goes to a USC pipeline program at Sarah, although USC is not in his top six. So, um very interesting story. Uh, I think Notre Dame just getting an official visit would be a victory there. Um, so that's somebody I want to watch. Caleb Kelly, I want to watch the linebacker from Fresno. He's sort of that linebacker comfortable in space. Uh, I'm not saying he's like Jalen Smith, but um, comparably rated. I mean, as a top 10 type player, does he have Jalen Smith type ability? Um, you know, how will his move? And then Javon McKinley, I mentioned earlier. I, I want to see if. If this guy is has some A-list receiver qualities about his game, if he can you know fight for the ball, can he get it at the high, can he high point the ball? Um, physically, he seems extremely well put together. Can he outmuscle some safeties and defensive backs? So, I mean, there's going to be a ton to watch. Um, we'll have four four people out there, myself included. We'll have tons of video, instant analysis every day, galleries, updates, all that stuff. So. It's going to be a really active week out there. I did want to, you brought up Caleb Kelly, and I wanted to ask you where you think Notre Dame is going linebacker-wise in this recruiting cycle, because we really don't talk about, we haven't talked about no. hardly any linebackers that Notre Dame has recruited. And, and the ones that we do talk about, Devin Bush, uh, Dalen Hayes, Caleb Kelly, I mean, we're talking about upper echelon linebacker prospects. Are they just looking at, hey, if we can get a great one linebacker, we'll go with it. If not, we have other needs to meet, or how do you see that? I think they would like to take one who's got some flexibility across at least two positions. And um, who would that be? You know, it's like when they were looking at Chase Pine, who ended up committing right. to Pitt. You know, somebody like that. Um, he was out here for the Irish invasion. But, yeah, I mean, Kelly is their top guy probably by far. I mean, Dalen Hayes continues to list Notre Dame. Um 
insists that he's fully committed to USC. I'll be curious to see how he, who he's interacting with out there. And and they are they are anticipating getting a visit from Caleb Kelly this month. Yeah, later this month. Kelly, yeah, Kelly has said that he'll visit Notre Dame and he'll visit Oregon, Oregon this month. Right. Um, look, Notre Dame is an uphill battle there, as you do for every national prospect. But I think once when you got Bilal, Barajas, and Coney. You can afford to be a little bit more selective right. because you're recruiting from a position of strength. Right. Well, so you can tell that by the names. Season. You can tell that by the names that are on on their list. But we do, we haven't talked much about linebacker recruiting. Javon McKinley, the wide receiver, uh, Notre Dame also recruiting Chacho Loa safety from out in California. He will also be at uh, the, the opening. Um, where where does Notre Dame stand with McKinley? Yeah, I mean McKinley. Uh, I would, if I had to put money, I would put, I would bet Notre Dame lands right. him. Um, you know, you see, he's such a high academic prospect. You know, there aren't a lot of times where, not that he's doing it, but his mom is, you know, tweeting out his report card because um, you know she's just like, hey, four zero. Um, so that's that's a little bit different than your average like. And academics are important to me when I look at a school uh, type reaction from a prospect. Yeah. So he's another guy. You know, is he is he hanging around Tony Jones? Is he hanging around Kramer and Boudreau? Um, you sort of get a sense for like, are guys connecting with each other or not? I mean, like when we were in Chicago for the the five star challenge a couple of years ago, you saw all those USC guys hanging out together, even though they weren't committed to USC. Right, and then they all ended up at USC. So it's like, are the, who's hanging out with Kramer and Jones and Boudreau? Uh, and if it's, I, I would think that McKinley probably would be right. one of those guys. I'd like to see McKinley. I don't know how much film of you that you've watched of him, but man, there's a lot, there's a lot more potential in there than what we've seen from him on film because he has really good length, and I don't know that he always uses that length. Uh, but if he ever fully taps into his ability, that's a, that's a kid that has a ton of upside at wide receiver. Yeah, well, I mean, that's he's their guy along with you know Claypool. Um, you know, if they can get those two guys, and then Damian Alloway is visiting later this month. He won't be at the opening. He's another California guy, though. Um, you know that that would basically Norton, be perfect perfect class for them. Norton continues to get bigger at wide receiver. I mean, we and we see that in the way they they, they recruit and. Um, Throw it up there and let them make the grab, it's huh? Another position. I mean, another position of strength is they can't yeah. stop bringing in good wide receivers at this point. That there's Pete said earlier, why would other than punt returner, why would any of the incoming guys play this year? That's a good class to not play this year. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, it's a, where they are at offensive line, where they are at receiver, you know, tight end now with Brock Wright over the horizon. Um, very healthy position there. So that's it for Irish Illustrated Insider. Brought to you by IrishIllustrated.com. We'll be back next week for our next show uh reviewing the opening i'll be back probably completely exhausted and sunburned but there will be a ton of recruiting stuff to cover there perhaps we'll be talking about chase claypool's commitment as well uh so until then log on to irishillustrate.com for all the opening coverage this week for myself jake brown anna hickey and steve Hare. uh and until next week thanks for listening